Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Jake Crumpler. What's up, fellow fantasy managers? Welcome back to another episode of the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. My name is Jake Crumpler, and as always, I'm taking over for Bubba as the host of the weekend editions of the podcast. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter and can find all of my work at CrumplerBaseball.com. Let's dive in to everything baseball-related from Saturday, April 8th. There was a full slate of 15 games on Saturday, and as always, we'll start it off with the transactions, injuries, news and notes from around the league kicking it off with the negatives of the il placements kyle lewis an outfielder for the arizona diamondbacks landed on the 10-day il with an undisclosed illness pavin smith a first baseman slash outfielder was recalled to replace him on the major league roster and the likely playing time impact is that we'll see lourdes guriel play full-time at dh and we'll see more of jake mccarthy and alec thomas in the outfield third baseman josh donaldson landed on the 10-day il with a right hamstring strain the yankees purchased the contract of outfielder Willie Calhoun who could really show off his power with the short right field bleachers in Yankee Stadium and the biggest benefactor of playing time will be DJ LeMahieu as he'll get everyday playing time at third base. The Yankees also placed relief pitcher Jonathan Loizaga on the 15-day IL with right elbow inflammation and Johnny Brito was recalled. We noted that yesterday that he was going to start and it looks like they'll go with a full five-man rotation for the time being. In Detroit, the Tigers placed outfielder Austin Meadows on the 10-day IL with anxiety. We know he's been dealing with all sorts of injuries over the past year or so, so it's sad to see him placed on the IL with a mental injury. So I hope that he can get the help that he needs to turn things around and get back on the Major League field. Outfielder Akil Badu was recalled to place him on the Major League roster, and we all know how good he was in his rookie year. The Diamondbacks will place Zach Davies on the 15-day IL with an oblique strain. The move is not yet official, so we don't know the corresponding transaction, but the candidates that we could see called up or replace him in the rotation include Tommy Henry, who's at AAA, Braden Fott, who's also at AAA, but isn't on the 40-man roster. That's also the case for Tyler Gilbert, who threw a no-hitter a couple years ago, and Dre Jamison, who could just move from the bullpen to the rotation, and they would instead replace him in the bullpen with Anthony Misevich or Justin Martinez. Max Kepler also landed on the 10-day IL with right patellar tendonitis. Outfielder Matt Walner was recalled to replace him on the Major League roster. He will probably be more of a bench guy, so we'll see Joey Gallo move from first base to outfield as they have plenty of infielders to replace Gallo off the bench. Travis Darno looks to have a concussion and will land on the seven-day concussion IL. The move has not been made official yet, so we don't know the corresponding move, but for now, Sean Murphy will have everyday playing time at catcher. Another catcher, Roberto Perez of the Giants, landed on the 60-day IL with a strained right rotator cuff. The team purchased the contract of Austin Wins from AAA, and he will likely be the everyday starter, but we could see more Blake Sable behind the plate. I was surprised that we didn't get uh, Gary Sanders 
Sanchez call up, but that is still a possibility. And Joey Bart is rehabbing right now in the minor, so he could be up very soon. Jose Siri also got placed on the 10-day IL, an outfielder for the Rays. He has a strained right hamstring, unfortunate because he had started off the season so hot. Vidal Brujan was recalled. He can play the infield and the outfield, but we'll likely see more of Josh Lowe, Manuel Margot, and Harold Ramirez see more time in the outfield. In terms of transactions, Jared Schuster, a starter for the Braves, was also optioned, and the team purchased the contract of reliever Danny Young. Very interesting to see Schuster up and down throughout the season. I wonder if that's going to continue to be the case or if they'll finally solidify the rotation once that everybody is healthy. The last bit of news we have is Anthony Rendon completing his four-game suspension for an altercation with a fan, so he'll be back on the field for an Angels squad that has sorely missed his bat in the middle of the lineup. Now we'll take a look at the notable performances from around the league, starting with the hitters. The first one we'll look at is Raphael Devers, who went off in Detroit as the Red Sox took home the dub. He went two for four with two runs, two home runs, and five RBI. He's now up to four home runs on the year. One of the home runs traveled just 356 feet, but the other one went 395 feet and left the bat at 110.3 miles per hour. He had the only multi-home run game on Saturday. He is one of the most consistent hitters in all of baseball, so you should feel very confident that he is looking to have another big season. This is a guy that can bat 300 with 30 plus home runs, and he should once again be one of the most valuable third basemen in all of baseball. Stone Garrett took advantage of the thin air in Colorado, helping the Nationals to a win against the Rockies, going three for three with a run, a home run, a double, and five RBI. This was one of the few games that he's appeared in this season, and he took advantage of the opportunity. All three of his hits left the bat with an exit velocity of at least 104 miles per hour, the home run leaving the bat at 104.5 miles per hour and traveling 432 feet. He landed in Washington this offseason after being DFA'd by the Diamondbacks, and all he's done is hit really well in his minor league career. With the Diamondbacks at AAA last year, he batted 275 with 28 dingers and 15 steals before his call-up, and he struck out a lot in his call-up, but he was a guy who was about a 23% strikeout guy in the minors. He could be a really great hitter if he does get the chance. He's not a great fielder, so that's really the only thing holding him back, but if he does start to play more often, don't let Alex Call in left field be the one to scare you away from picking him up. Elsewhere, Kyle Farmer went off against the Astros in a win for the Twins, going three for four with three runs, a home run, a double, and three RBI. The home run traveled 397 feet with an exit velocity of 104.8 miles per hour, and since Max Kepler's injury, Farmer has played every day at second base. That's three straight days now. I think he batted fifth, sixth, and seventh in each of those games, so he's not really something I'd recommend as he's batting in the bottom of the lineup, and I think his ceiling is pretty low. It seems like if he were to attain the best season possible, it'd be like 270 with 15 or so home runs and five stolen bases, so nothing overly special, but he does have the ability to play all over the infield, and if injuries continue to hamper the Twins, he could see everyday playing time. The last batter we'll check out is Andrew McCutcheon, who did all he could for the Pirates in a loss versus the White Sox, going three for four, scoring twice, knocking out a home run and a double, knocking in two runs and stealing a base, so that's a combo meal. The home run traveled just 350 feet with a 100.9 mile per hour exit velocity, but he is playing nearly every day in Pittsburgh as a designated hitter and right fielder. I don't think he's too great in 12-teamers because he's on a bad team in a bad lineup and his skills are declining as he enters his mid-30s, but I think he's a great reliable option in 15-team five outfielder leagues, which populate the NFBC quite often because he's a guy who plays every single day and isn't a below average hitter and shows power and speed that is difficult to find for somebody that you know what you're going to get. But if you want more information on the hitter performances from around the league, check out 
the Daily Batters Box article. We'll now check out the starting pitcher performances on Saturday, kicking it off with Joe Ryan, who once again showed really great stuff, this time taking down the Houston Astros. He earned the win as he went six innings, allowing just three hits, four earned runs, one walk, and 10 strikeouts. He earned the gallows pull by leading baseball with 19 whiffs, and he also had a 41% CSW. He's now got a win in each of his first two starts on the season. Surprisingly enough, he only allowed four base runners. All of them scored, and it was via a grand slam by Jordan Alvarez, so definitely unlucky on that front, as not only did he have a 0% left on base rate, but all of the damage came on just one swing. So you can't imagine that that ERA is sort of misleading at this point at 3.75. He had 14 whiffs on his fastball alone, and that pitch sat at a 50% CSW, which is absolutely elite. The new sweeper was also used 31% of the time, but went just 28% CSW. I think that pitch is going to continue to make him a pitcher that can last deeper into ball games as he's not just a two-pitch guy relying on a fastball and a changeup, and I think that gives new dimension to the right-hander. He will head to the Bronx for his next start. Elsewhere, Nick Lodolo did all he could for the Reds, but the team still took the loss in Philadelphia. He took the no decision, going seven innings, allowing just three hits, no one runs, two walks, but striking out 12 batters as he induced 15 whiffs with a 33% CSW while eclipsing 100 pitches for the second start in a row. He is now up to 21 strikeouts across his first 12 innings pitch, and that leads the major leagues. His curveball put in work on Saturday as he induced six whiffs with the pitch, while the fastball was also elite at 41% CSW and inducing seven whiffs. This might be the start of a big breakout. So if you have the opportunity to get Lodolo either in a a really shallow league or if you know somebody that isn't super convinced with his stuff, this is a guy that's totally worth it to go out and trade for or to keep on your team. He will get a rematch against the Phillies in his next start. So that looks like it'll be another start that will pay massive dividends. We also saw Jeffrey Springs do really well in an easy start against the A's. He earned the win going seven innings, allowing just three hits and three walks, but he shut them out and struck out seven batters. He induced 15 whiffs and earned the King Cole by leading Major League Baseball with a 43% CSW percentage. He's won each of his first two starts now and is unscored upon across 13 innings pitched, which is really crazy considering he broke out last year and this might be him building even further on 2022's breakout. The changeup was the main pitch in this one as he earned eight whiffs with it, but the fastball also did work going 52% CSW. So I've got a lot of faith in Springs continuing this success as he heads to take on the Red Sox in his next start. The last start we'll cover is Michael Waka shutting down the elite Braves offense as he earned the win going six innings, allowing just two hits and one walk and no earned runs with 10 strikeouts. He had 16 whiffs and a 35% CSW in the start. The 10 strikeouts are very surprising as this is just the third double digit strikeout game of his career. The other two times he did that was years ago. The first one was in April of 2014 against the Mets and the most recent one was in 2015 in Coors. So we have not seen this version of Waka in quite some time. And it also follows a start on April 1st during which he had just two strikeouts. So it's a very outlier start. I'm not sure if this is something that we can trust, especially because his fastball velocity was down over one mile per hour and his changeup was the main pitch. So it's sort of like a a feel thing for him. He earned eight whiffs with the change and it went for 41% CSW, but I'm not 100% sure that this continues as he takes on the Brewers in his next start, but definitely somebody to keep an eye on because I'm sure he's going to be out there on quite a few rosters. But if you want more in-depth looks at the pitchers from around the league, give the Plus Pitch Podcast a listen and go read Nick's daily starting pitcher roundup. Now we'll head to the bullpen and check out the reliever performances from around the league, and we'll do our usual and check out the pitchers that got saves and the closers that pitched in non-save situations or failed to acquire the save. The pitchers that got saves include Araldis Chapman, 
Hansen, who was filling in for Scott Barlow, who had pitched on back-to-back days, Josh Hader, David Robertson, solidifying himself as the closer in New York, Yohan Duran doing the same in Minnesota, Paul Sewell doing the same in Seattle, and Clay Holmes locking down just the second save of the season so far. The closers that pitched outside of save situations or blew their save include Camilo Doval, who pitched in a tight ball game and earned the loss, Alexis Diaz, who attempted to get the two-inning save but couldn't pull it off, Reynaldo Lopez, who pitched for the White Sox in another outing in which he just needed to get some work in, Scott McGuff, who pitched in a non-safe situation but while the team was ahead, Kyle Finnegan, who pitched in a non-safe situation for the second day in a row, still looking to gain his confidence there, and Carlos Estevez, who got screwed out of a safe situation by his offense, tacking on two runs in the bottom of the eighth, but they still turned to him in the ninth as he needed to get some work in. If you'd like more info on the relief pitcher performances from around the league, check out the Daily Reliever Ranks article, which I myself am writing this weekend. Before we look forward to the action for today, we're going to take a quick break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Now we'll send it over to the wonderful Mark Paquette with the weather. Thank you very much, Jake. Well, this Easter Sunday, we're going to have absolutely no weather problems. It's chilly a lot in the Northeast and the upper Midwest, like the Cubs, Orioles, Phillies, but it's going to be sunny. It's going to be a nice Sunday. Enjoy. No weather problems. Back to you. Thanks, Mark. Now, looking forward to Sunday, April 9th. We'll start it off with the probable starters. My matchup of the day is John Gray versus Jamison Tyone, as we've got two guys that can dominate if all of their stuff is working. Gray's got an awesome fastball slider mix. It's fun to watch, and Jamison Tyone is looking like a new pitcher in Chicago. The auto start tier has four pitchers in it as of now. Drew Rasmussen is taking on the Oakland A's. Freddie Peralta is taking on the Cardinals. Nestor Cortez is going to Baltimore, and George Kirby is going to Cleveland. In the Probably start tier, we have three guys, and that's where we'll find our streamer of the day in Anthony DiSclefani, who will take on the Kansas City Royals. He looked really good in his first start, and the Royals are not a lineup to be afraid of. I would also keep an eye out for Carlos Carrasco, who's taking on a weak Miami lineup, and Michael Kopech, who's heading to Pittsburgh. Both of these guys struggled in their first start, but they've showed the ability to shut down lineups in the past, and these are not the most intimidating of lineups. Now, let's check out the hitters that I'm suggesting you stream tomorrow. I think the obvious one is Nationals and Rockies hitters playing in Coors. The Nationals will be going up against Ryan Feltner. They don't have much history against him, but he is a righty, so I'd suggest going after left-handed batters like C.J. Abrams, Luis Garcia, or Dominic Smith. On the Rockies side, they'll be taking on their former teammate, Chad Cool, and this is the same situation where we don't have as much history between the batters and the pitcher. The left-handed batters that are likely available on your wire that I'd suggest include Charlie Blackman and Mike Moustakis. We also have lots of underwhelming pitchers going elsewhere on Sunday, 
Day, including Connor Overton in Philadelphia, Cutter Crawford in Detroit, Zach Plesak against the Mariners, and Jake Woodford in Milwaukee. So if you like some of the batters on any of those teams, they have an easy matchup ahead. Now we'll close things out with the relievers to watch around the league. There's actually a lot because we had a lot of closers go on back-to-back days. Yoan Duran was one of those guys going back-to-back days. Jorge Lopez and Griffin Jacks did as well. So Emilio Pagan or Caleb Thielbar could be in line for the ninth inning today. Paul Sewald also pitched each of the past two days. So Andres Munoz would get the ball in the ninth inning of a save situation. Kyle Finnegan has pitched in two straight non-save situations as well. Carl Edwards Jr. and Hunter Harvey also went back-to-back. So I'm not sure this is the best opportunity because there's not too many great relievers there and they're pitching in cores, but Mason Thompson or Erasmo Ramirez could get the call. Josh Hader also went back-to-back days, but so has setup man Luis Garcia. So I could see Steven Wilson getting a save opportunity because he's only pitched on one day in a row. The last situation to look at is Camilo Duvall pitching on both Friday and Saturday. So we could see Taylor Rogers get first dibs on a save situation if one arises. But that'll do it for today's episode of the First Pitch Podcast. Make sure to head on over to PitcherList.com to check out all of the great articles and features we have on the site, including amazing player pages and daily DFS suggestions. Join PL Pro to gain access to the Discord, interact with PitcherList staff and members of the community, and to utilize the in-season tools to help you win your leagues. That'll wrap up this edition of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. Tune in tomorrow and every day for a new installment of the podcast, and make sure to enjoy the day as we are blessed with another day of baseball. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.